Welcome to Disrupting Japan, straight talk from Japan's most successful entrepreneurs. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for joining me. The medical industry is one of the hardest to disrupt, and in some ways, that's a good thing. I mean, we're literally experimenting with people's lives here. So there's a good argument to be made for being conservative and taking things slowly. But you know, looking at the national health insurance system in Japan and the health systems of all developed nations, it becomes pretty obvious that not only can improvements be made, but that improvements must be made. Well, today we talk with Kenichi Ishii, the founder of Next Innovation. Their long-term strategy involves increasing the use and acceptance of telemedicine in Japan in general. But right now, they've developed a basic approach to telemedicine that enables them to sell prescription drugs over the Internet. And business is booming. Oh, and Next Innovation is a proudly Osaka-based startup. Ken and I talk a lot about the challenges Osaka has faced in developing a startup ecosystem and why it seems that those problems might be over, and you'll be hearing from more and more Osaka startups on the show. During the interview, Ken and I talk about value-based medicine and price-based medicine. It, it's not really intuitive, so it's probably best if I explain it to you now. When Ken talks about cost-based patients, he means those who see medical treatment as a means to an end, and they want it done simply, cheaply, and quickly. The value-based patients are those that want to be involved, either because of an interest in the treatment or for other social reasons that we'll talk about. Ken will explain why this difference is important, how Japan's tight control over the medical industry forced him and his team to be very resourceful in launching this product, the crisis Japanese hospitals are facing now and why we can't stay on our current path. We need to innovate our way out of this situation. But you know, Ken tells that story much better than I can. So let's get right to the interview. So I'm sitting here with Ken Ishii of Next Innovation, a true telemedicine startup in Japan. So thanks for sitting down with me. Thank you. Nice to meet you. Telemedicine covers a really broad area. So can you... Just briefly explain what Next Innovation does. Our product, uh, we call it Smashing. Smashing? It's smashing. It meets a uh, smart and for the clinic. And there is uh, three unique points. At the first, uh, main content is text-based communication. So not video, text-based? Yes, not video. Uh, we have video is available, but almost doctors not choice. Okay. Right. Second, uh, we never use Japanese insurance system. So you don't use the national healthcare system? Yes. yes. Okay. Uh, because uh, we target in the all over the world. If we use in Japanese unique insurance system, we can't... And, uh, uh, so it'd be hard to, it would be hard to go global. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, that makes sense, but... well. So, so basically, you're providing online consultation for things like uh, flu shots, uh, erectile dysfunction drugs, hair loss, 
hay fever yes, yes, and yes. Uh, cat allergies, yes, right? Yes, yes, yes. So if national health insurance mm-hmm. doesn't cover mm-hmm. your service, mm-hmm. how can you compete with all of the clinics ah, where yes, exactly. you know, the cost must be much higher? Yes, we never use the uh, insurance system, but uh, some of the customer payments money is an almost equal insurance system used. So it costs the same to use your service as the the copay of someone using the national health insurance. Yes, yes, yes. Um, how do you do that? Because Japan has a pretty good national health insurance. Yes. So where where is your cost savings on this? One point is a doctor's fee. For example, a doctor and patients appoint the same time, but it is hard to each people. Our products take text-based communication, so each people don't have to meet at the same time. Okay, so it's more efficient for the doctors, it uses less of their time. Yes, yes. Next one, almost Japanese insurance system, including in the pharmacist fee, drugstore, our product omit this system. So you, you deliver the drugs by postal mail? Yes, from clinic to patient. So it is a second cost down point. And the third one? Third point, we can use only generic medicines. So no, no brand name no drugs? Brand name. Yes, yes. All right. But that means that this efficiency drops your cost to 30% or yes, so, yes, right? Yes, uh, Almost 30%, li- likely 30%. 30% of the standard. All right, so this is exactly why we need more innovation in medtech. <laughs> For example, from the patient with hay fever, around 4,000 ends each visit. Okay. So our target want to buy the prescription drug, but never go to clinics. So why did you decide on these specific types of medical problems? We think that the development each categories, doctors and customers. Mm-hmm. So uh, we focus on the first time the doctors. They don't know how to use telemedicine. So at first, we target to low-risk disease and low-risk solutions. This is very important. That's the first time I take into the ED market. Right. Biagra, right. Biagra is small risk and it is easy to diagnose. Right. And the same thing with hay fever and cat allergies. That makes sense. I really like this because when people think of telemedicine Mm -hmm. and innovation, Mm -hmm. they tend to think of like video consultations or high tech, but this is actually a pretty low tech approach and it's just very efficient. (laughs) Yes, I think so. Well, tell me about your customers. So... Mm Erectile dysfunction and hair loss mm-hmm, mm-hmm. seems to target a very specific demographic, yes, yes, yes. but like cat allergies and mm-hmm. hay fevers seem to be targeting a very different group of people. Yes, yes, yes. For example, ED studies for two fifties years and men, and the hay fever and allergic market is twenties or thirties for female. It is a separate market. We try to the cross sell in the market ED and AGAs. Uh-huh. And including an allergic market to, for example, and the pills. So, for example, mm-hmm. hair loss, erectile dysfunction, that's probably an easier cross-sell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
So do you use different marketing channels to reach the erectile dysfunction mm-hmm. and hair loss customers than you use to reach the cat allergy mm-hmm. customers? Mm-hmm. So I hope to engagement for the customers by internet. It is very easy to collecting information. Just uh, lots of information on the website. Very much like any other kind of, of mm-hmm. e-commerce. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's like e-commerce. So search engine optimization, yes. some social media. Yes, yes, that's right. That makes sense. Before we get into the, the details of mm-hmm. the product and the business model, okay. let's talk a bit about you. Yes. <laughs> you actually grew up in the Tokyo area mm-hmm. and you went to university in Tokyo. Yeah. But you moved to Osaka mm. in 2013. Mm. What was the reason for the move? I love, I love Osaka. So, and the Kansai area, there is no competitor in this market. But I mean, this, this was back before you started Next Innovation, so yeah, yeah. 20, mm. 2013. Ah, okay, I understand. Yeah. I, I have belonged to the pharmaceutical company from 2001 to uh, 2013. And this is translocation from Sapporo to Osaka at 2005. Okay, so the company transferred you. Yes. And actually, I mean, you had a really long and successful career Mm -hmm. in the pharmaceutical industry. Mm -hmm. So what made you leave and want to start a startup? Uh, I think uh, some pharmaceutical companies, very, very great company, but limited. There are lots of um, severe regulation. And, and innovation. For example, uh, we have to talk about a non-licensed drug with doctors. We cannot speak with customers. I think this is very frustrating. Medical players changing very, very slowly. Yeah, it's a very conservative industry. Yes, if I want to change it, it couldn't change in including the player. So you had, it has to be changed from it, outside. Um, yes, yes. <laughs> That makes a lot of sense. What did your colleagues think of your decision? Were they supportive mm-hmm. of, of you deciding to leave the company and mm-hmm. start your own business? Uh, almost the co-workers and the boss said to me, crazy, <laughs> don't move it. Too risky? They thought you'd go out of business? Yes, that's right. But I think if people stop this business model, I, I have to go there. Right, right. If someone says that's impossible, never do that, that means there's an opportunity there. Thinking about telemedicine in general, Mm. with Japan's aging population, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, there's a real shortage of doctors Mm -hmm. and especially nurses Mm -hmm. in Japan. Mm -hmm. So telemedicine should be something that's much more common in Japan, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it's not that common. Why is that? Telemedicine is one of the methods for the innovation of medical thing. As you know, all the people is now customers in each hospital. But yeah. we target 40 years and 50 years person is our target. It is changing. Well, that makes sense. I mean, it's harder to get older people to change their behavior than younger people. Exactly. But... Since there is so much need for innovation and telemedicine here, and since you were able to cut costs by 70% just by using some basic technology and a streamlined workflow, why don't we see more medical startups in Japan? Um, They cannot survive. 
because Japanese medical insurance system is a very close system. And if the player can get the money, governance change the rules. Okay, that makes sense. So, yeah, in a sense, in Japan, you only have one customer. It's like the government is the customer. And if, if the government doesn't approve it, you have to. Only, comp- only startups like yours that can reduce costs by 70%, those are the only ones that make sense.、Mm. 70% is a pretty high barrier, I、yes. think. All right. You guys have been getting a lot of media coverage、mm. over the last year. This is a new concept、mm. in Japan.、Mm. So, what's been the reaction from consumers and what's been the reaction from doctors and the、uh. medical establishment? Each side was louded, <laughs> so louded, because I don't know how to use these systems of each user and from the doctors. So, both doctors and consumers yes, yes. were opposed to it just because it was, it was new and different. Yes, yes,、okay. yes. For example, so time dry is very uncomfortable experience of the,、okay. each side. Okay, so was, was the resistance just people were not. Familiar with doing conversations this way, or did you get some resistance from doctors who said that this is not a proper way、uh, to、yes. do medicine? So,、uh, we designed the text based communication. I think there is a lot of time delay, it's okay, but for the users, doctor cannot return the mail in the, this time, only this time. So, that makes sense from people who are trying to use the platform. But did, did you have doctors or hospitals、mm-hmm. say、mm-hmm. that text based communication is、mm-hmm. inappropriate、mm-hmm. or that this is not the right way to、mm-hmm. prescribe? Yes, yes. yes. But、um, almost customers, if they have the experience, this is cool. <laughs> Everyone says it's the、uh, same, same words, this is cool and very comfortable. Both the consumers and the doctors are, are slowly changing their attitudes. Yes, yes. Did you have to get any regulations or laws changed?、Mm-hmm. Were, there, were there any regulations that said the consultation has to be face to face? For three years ago, it has changed the regulation. And recently, and it's changing. Almost doctors think that telemedicine is video based communication. Right. And it is one of the Japanese regulations and written in the guidelines. But it is not law. Okay. It's only guidelines. There's not a law. Okay. So if you're operating outside of the、mm-hmm. national health insurance,、mm-hmm. you're free to do things differently. Yes, that's right. All right. Talking about like, the, the culture of medicine in Japan,、mm-hmm. one of the things I was most surprised at、mm-hmm. when, I, when I moved to Japan、mm-hmm. is Japanese doctors don't. Share a lot of information with their patients. Ah, yes, yes, that's right, yeah. You know, a lot of times they won't tell them directly what the disease is or why exactly they're giving them medication. But your team seems to have taken the opposite approach.、Yeah. So your website has a huge amount of information on like cat allergies and why this specific drug is useful and. So, I'm curious, was this style of providing information, was this kind of part of your company vision?、Uh, yes, exactly. Some of the clinics and the doctors cannot use advertising for patients. 
but we are without the regulations. We can inform for the patients as each information. We can advertise it. Do you think that attitude is changing in Japan? Do you think patients are asking their doctors for more information about their condition and their drugs? I said that the patient think the medical is value. Patients think medical is cost. I think that this segment, medical is value segment, it's improving your situation. Oh, okay. So the patients who view medicine more as a value will tend to want more information and and want to be more involved. Of course, in their treatment and diagnosis. This segment is uh, hope to more information, so, uh, more conversations, and more communication. This segment, uh, no low communication and uh, long conversation. So the other hand, they just want to be efficient and get their uh, drugs and yes. All right. Do you think Japan is shifting one way or the other? Are more people becoming value-oriented, or more people becoming cost-oriented, or is it sort of staying the same? Well, a part of doctors never、uh, never outputs the information, but forty or thirty aged doctors maybe share the information with patients. Okay, so it's more of a generational thing. Yes, yes, yes. And I think it is very important that key device is smartphone. Why is that? Up to ten years ago,、uh, we cannot accept.、Uh, we don't have the device what is receive the big data. So until smartphones, there was just no way to access yes, medical yes, records yes. and things like that. It is interesting how it's changing because I remember when I first moved to Japan.、Mm-hmm. They just changed the law so that、um, it used to be that the medical records were the property of the hospitals,、mm. and that the patients had no right to see their own medical records. And it's only been kind of recently that that's changed. We hope to make the personal health record in this project. In the future, you you plan on expanding the services not just for telemedicine and consultation,、mm. but to include. Medical record access and things like that. Yes. All right. Let's talk a bit about Japan in、yeah. general.、Mm-hmm. I think it's obvious Japan needs more innovation in medicine、mm-hmm. and more telemedicine.、Mm-hmm. But how do you think telemedicine will be rolled out?、Mm-hmm. What, what's kind of the future of telemedicine? I think that telemedicine is the one of the major solution in the medical systems. Because telemedicine is one of the technologies that communication with doctors and patients, and there is no limit from the place and the time. Well, one thing I've heard a lot about the problem with with medical costs in Japan、mm-hmm. is that a lot of times hospitals almost become like social gathering places.、Mm-hmm. That some people, especially like elderly people, actually、mm-hmm. enjoy going to the、mm-hmm. hospital for so they can meet their friends、mm-hmm. and. Do you think that's true, and do you think that's going to change? <laughs> I think more than fifty percent. Really? Yes, more, more, more than half. So more than half want to go to the hospital. Yes, that's right. Yeah, I can't imagine that. I I hate going to the hospital. <laughs> I think so.、Yeah. So, for example, so in the India, more than eight percent people convert to telemedicine, and these days. Eight, eight percent. Well, it's still a very small number. 
But there is yeah, 1.5 billion people. So that's true. So it's a big number, small percentage, but a big number of people. Yes. All right. In Japan, so you think about 50% will accept telemedicine and 50% still want to go? Yes, um, I think it is hardly to change from go to hospital to telemedicine.、Mm. But combination with、uh, go to hospital, visit, and telemedicine. I think this is very, very important point. That's true. There, there are some things where you definitely have to go to the hospital. Yes, first time, go to hospital and diagnosis with doctors. After that, convert to telemedicine and take into the same medications next, next month. We talked before about your frustration with、uh, national health insurance、mm-hmm. and some of the regulations、mm-hmm. on medicine in Japan. So, what do you think the Ministry of Health, Labor, and Welfare should be doing to promote medical innovation and startups、mm-hmm. in Japan? We have to、uh, think for the patients and never think doctors. This is a very important point. What, what do you mean? What's an example of that? Okay, some of the players at the first time think how to, how to get, get the money from the doctors or hospitals because Japan has a very good insurance system. Next, the players think how to provide the patients. But it is very limited. We never think for doctors. I, yeah, I, that makes sense as a startup.、Mm-hmm. As a startup, you always want to focus on your customers.、Mm-hmm. But can you think of anything that the government should be doing、mm-hmm. to encourage more medical startups、mm-hmm. in Japan? Japanese, Japanese regulations and,、uh, and established is very rigid. And almost the situation in another country is easy to take into the market. I think the startup stage, the business model is a turnaround in the Japanese market and the scale of the other countries. Okay. Let's talk about Osaka.、Mm-hmm. So I, I love that you're running the company in Osaka.、Mm-hmm. And I, I love Osaka.、Mm-hmm. I, I, I always enjoy myself、mm-hmm. when I'm going there. But despite the fact that it's a really big city, it doesn't have much of a startup community、mm-hmm. in Osaka. Yes. In fact, when Osaka startups start to get big,、mm-hmm. they tend to leave Osaka and、mm-hmm. come to Tokyo. Exactly, yeah. Why did you decide to stay in Osaka? Because I love Osaka. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. It is easy to get the information, the money from the capitalists. Almost companies go to the Tokyo and、yeah. very close to the government, I think. But, well, but, yeah, I mean, we were talking. So, we're, we're in Tokyo now, and you were saying you come to Tokyo three or four times a month.、Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So, yes, I, I meet the venture capitalists and the customers. But I think, and this is one of the unique points, we live in Osaka. I think it is lots of business chance in the Osaka communities. For example, as you know, Osaka City、yeah. and Osaka prefectures support its venture companies like us. We are taken into the community and we were supported any other members. I, I don't know what is Tokyo's ecosystem, I don't know, but I, I feel Osaka's ecosystem is very comfortable and very cool. For example, I love the passion of the leaders in Osaka. All right. Well, listen, before we wrap up, I want to ask you what I call my magic wand question, and that is, 
if I gave you a magic wand、mm-hmm. and I said that you could change one thing about Japan,、mm-hmm. anything at all, the regulations on medicine,、mm-hmm. the way people think about taking risks,、mm-hmm. the education system,、mm-hmm. anything at all to make things better for startups in Japan,、mm-hmm. what would you change? Change and change people's way of thinking. So they will take more risks. Okay. So that goes back to what you were saying when you were quitting your, your job at the pharmaceutical companies and everyone around you was saying, don't take that risk. And why do you think people are afraid to take the risk?、Mm, it is comfortable. Ah, that's true. You can have a very comfortable life in Japan. Yes, almost people feel that comfortable. Yeah, innovation and change happens based on uncomfortable people. <laughs> exactly. I love to take the risk because risk has a happy over there. Yeah, you can look into the future.、Mm. But I, I think there's something to that because I think innovators and people who create companies. Are never really comfortable where they are.、Mm-hmm. Even if they're very wealthy or famous,、mm. they're never quite happy or comfortable、mm-hmm. with their situation. Yes, yes.、Mm. So that might be a really good thing for society, but it sounds like a bad thing for the person. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And almost some of people envy the success player in Japan, but I think it is a fault. Right, because they just envy, they don't take action yes, 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 to change the situation. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Do you think it's changing? Because we see a lot more startups these days.、Mm-hmm. Do you think people are willing to take more risks, or is it just getting less risky to、mm-hmm. start a company? We have to take a risk,、uh, everyone, because Japanese market is absolutely shrink in these years. So, established players d o e s not. Available in, in the future. Yeah, that's true. A, a shrinking market means that the big companies who are optimizing to run their current business model、yes. will not work. Yes, yes. It has to be new business models.、Mm-hmm. And, and almost the business model was aged for 30 years or 40 years. Yeah. There is a lot of chances in Japanese market because、uh, Japanese people is very honestly. And Japanese people have a good concentration. But yeah, that's interesting because you mentioned like the last 30 years, and I, I think that big Japanese companies、mm-hmm. in the 50s and 60s,、mm-hmm. maybe even the 70s, were very innovative with the business models. Okay, I see. And they've stopped being innovative.、Mm-hmm. So do you think that Japan's big companies will be uncomfortable enough、mm-hmm. to start innovating again? Or do you think that Japan's future really lies with startups? A Japanese big company is、uh, um, fit to the continuous innovations model, but they are not fit to the disrupt innovations model. I like that one, so I leave it. So you think the, the future of innovation in Japan is going to be the startups and not the big companies? Okay, yes. Okay. Well, excellent, Ken. I want to thank you so much for sitting down、thank、with you. me. Thank you. And we're back. One of the most important aspects of this story is how very difficult it is for a startup to build a viable business model in medicine. 
Next Innovation had to operate completely outside of the national health system, and that meant that they had to provide their services for 70% less than the going rate. And they did. Now, this is a statement not just about the ingenuity of Ken and the team at Next Innovation, but at how inefficient some parts of the healthcare industry are and how badly innovation is needed. If a relatively simple platform is accepted by doctors and patients and it reduces overall costs by 70%, that's something the government needs to look at mainstreaming. And to be fair, perhaps the government is looking at it. Japan is facing both a rapidly aging population and rapidly rising medical costs. Innovation is not going to come from within the system. The clear answer, the only answer really, is being open to the innovations and progress that is being made by medical startups in Japan today. If you've got an opinion about medicine or startups in general, Ken and I would love to hear from you. So come by disruptingjapan.com slash show 121 and let us know what you think. When you come by, you'll see all the notes and links that Ken and I talked about and much, much more in the resources section of the post. Oh, and by the way, please feel free to get in touch and connect with Disrupting Japan on Twitter and Facebook or even drop by our LinkedIn group. A quick search for Disrupting Japan on any of those platforms will take you right to us. I'd love to hear from you, and we've got a lot more information on Japanese startups and innovation on the social sites and on our website as well. But most of all, thanks for listening. And thank you for letting people interested in Japanese startups know about the show. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for listening to Disrupting Japan.